Good morning. Welcome to Morning Prayers. This morning's psalm comes from Psalm number 27. Please stand as you're able. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When you do Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire his tempest. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they bring out of my heart. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living.
passage from Jeremiah. How can I bear my sorrow? I am sick at heart. I am wounded at the sight of my people's wound. I go like a mourner, overcome with horror. Is there no balm in Gilead? No physician there? Why has no skin grown over their wound? Almost 30 years ago, I published Balm and Gilead, Journey of a Healer, an intimate portrait of my mother, Margaret Morgan Lawrence, an extraordinary woman and trailblazing physician who in her career, first as a pediatrician, then as a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst, faced the virulent barriers of racism and sexism with a deft blend of grit and grace, carving out a life of love and work that I have tried to shadow and emulate. Born in 1914, she grew up in a middle-class black family in Vicksburg, Mississippi, the daughter of an Episcopal priest and a school teacher. After graduating at 14 from the Colored High School, she moved to Harlem and lived with her maternal grandmother and aunts so that she could complete the last two years of college in a place that would better prepare her for college and, medical, and a medical career. She was admitted to Wadley High, a public exam school for girls, where she was one of a handful of Negro students and where she studied classical languages under the tutelage of the dean, graduating two years later with the Greek and Latin prizes. Margaret was admitted to Cornell, the only black undergraduate on campus in 1932. The university did not allow colored folks to live in dorms, so for four years, my mother worked as a maid in the homes of faculty members, often serving them breakfast before she went off to class and returning at lunchtime to change into her maid's uniform before going back to campus for the afternoon. She remembers one particularly stingy, suspicious family who monitored her food intake. At another's, she slept in the unheated attic and during the frigid Ithaca winters covered herself in a raccoon coat a gift from her aunts who worried that she would freeze to death. After four years of a stellar undergraduate record, Margaret confidently applied to Cornell's School of Medicine. When the dean called her in a few months later, he said something unbelievable and shocking. You know, Margaret, you've done an extraordinary job and you've been an excellent pre-med student. The admissions committee seriously considered your application. But ultimately, we decided not to admit you. But that was not the worst of it. After a pause, he continued, 25 years ago, we admitted a colored man, and it didn't work out. He got tuberculosis. My mother remembers sitting in stunned, disbelieving silence. She plowed through weeks of depression and dark despair, and somehow found her way to a meeting with a faculty member at Columbia School of Medicine, who urged her to apply. She was admitted the following fall, one of 10 women and the only African-American enrolled in 1936. 50 years later, I sit with my mother listening to her life stories, two women rehearsing and relishing the journey. For two years, I am the privileged witness, combining the roles of skeptical social scientist, probing biographer, and devoted daughter. I'm less interested in my mother's heroic published, public accomplishments 
and more in her lived experiences, less in the chronology or facts, and more in her emotional history. And my, bo my mother, both by trade and by temperament, offers me the gift of her authenticity and honesty, courageously facing the trauma and excavating the pain, undaunted as she exposes the locked secrets, even as she celebrates the breakthroughs and victories. She sees things through screen memories, refracted fuzzy images that allow her to offer multiple interpretations. More than once, she says to me, this feels like a second analysis. Today, my mother is 102. Her mind is fading, her body is aching and arthritic. She is no longer able to walk. She can hardly hear. Despite these physical and mental struggles, she always looks gorgeous and radiant. 30 years her junior, I am the age she was when I thought her old and wrote her biography. Now in her presence, I feel young, protective, and maternal, and I am occasionally delighted and surprised when she turns her piercing, loving gaze on me and asks me one of her famous penetrating questions. What, my darling Sarah, is the most compelling thing that is happening in your life right now? I talk for 45 minutes, relishing her undiluted attention, loving every second of her abiding curiosity in my now life. Recently, I visited my mother on her 75th wedding anniversary. My father, Charles, died 30 years ago, but his large spirit hovers over her home house I grew up in, and she has frequent conversations with him in her day and night dreams. On her anniversary, she longed to remember her wedding day. So I pulled Bob and Gillian down from the shelf and read Margaret the part about the beautiful wedding in Vicksburg, Mississippi, when her father both officiated the ceremony and gave her away to Charles. My mother wept as she welcomed back the story that had gotten lost. We both are given a huge gift, the chance for me to give my mother back to herself. Amen. Will you join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Would you please join me in singing hymn number 336, Shall We Gather at the River? Please rise as you're ready.
open for us to lead us. May God stand behind us to push us, on the side of us to guide us, above us to protect us, beneath us to keep us, and in us to sustain us. Amen. Amen. Amen.